I really am excited to be here. As I prayed what we should study this fall, the Lord continually led me to Galatians chapter 5. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend the semester talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, but more so I want to talk about what he says in verse 16, which is this. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's what we're going to be spending our semester talking about, and we're going to see how that plays out through the fruit of the Spirit each week as we pull a verse from each one. And if you have your handout, you will notice that I, unlike on Sunday mornings, I have provided you with blanks, and if Pastor Steve finds out about it, I'm going to deny that, and so we can just keep that between you and me. Let's pray before we jump in. Lord, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to stand here and to preach your word. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to read your word and to learn from it and to grow. And we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit, Lord, that there is nothing that we lack, that you've provided everything for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and now given us and lead us through your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that as we study your word tonight, that you would not allow your word to return void, but that you would send it out and accomplish everything that you send it, that you desire for it to accomplish. Lord, I pray that your word would change us, Lord, that we would not become overly familiar with your word and hearing from your voice, but that as we hear your voice and as we read your word, that your spirit would speak to us. Lord, I pray that anything I say tonight that's not from you, I pray that you would erase it from their minds. And Lord, I pray that if there's something that you need for us to hear tonight, that you would speak it to us. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's jump into Galatians chapter 5. We'll go ahead and read uh, verses 6 through 26. And I'm reading tonight from the Christian Standard Version, the CSB, and it'll be on the screen as well. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I've warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us not become conceited, provoking, oh, sorry, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now tonight we're going to do an overview and we're going to set the pace for what we're going to be looking at this semester. So I have three things I want you to look at and I'll go ahead and warn you, my first point is by far my longest. So we will get you out in plenty of time to go hear the review, uh, the reveal for the choir trip. The first thing I want us to look at this, if we look at the overview of this passage, is this. The fruit of the Spirit results from the Spirit, not from the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit results from the Spirit, not the flesh. Here's what I mean. The fruit 
that are featured in this passage, love, joy, peace, and so on, they do not come about by anything that you or I bring to the table. In fact, the, the more we try, the more that we mess things up. I'm not here to offend you, but I want you to understand that you cannot produce any of the fruit listed in this passage on your own. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that it is possible. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, 6, that all of us have become like something unclean, <clears throat> and all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. The best that we have to offer when we're in our flesh, the absolute best that we can bring to a situation, the Bible says, is a filthy, dirty rag before the Lord. And the sooner we come to realize it, the better. Because we need to stop trying to act in the flesh and trying to live out our faith in the flesh and rely on the Spirit. As he says there in verse 16, we need to walk by the Spirit. He says in verse 16, 17, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires that is what, uh, what is against the Spirit. And the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you do not do what you want. The truth is that there is, there is a war that is rage, waging inside each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ. You have your flesh, which you were born with. Now, I'm not talking about the skin on your body. When the Bible talks about the flesh, it's talking about your sinful nature. The Bible says that each one of us was born with that sinful nature, with the flesh. And the natural tendency for each and every one of us is to walk away from the things of the Lord. The Bible said in Isaiah 53, verse 6, that we all went away astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way. The truth is our flesh is corrupt and it cannot be trusted. The Bible goes on to say in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is more deceitful than anything else and it is incurable. Who can understand it? You've all heard people say, if I know my heart, well, the answer is you don't. None of us can know our hearts because it is not something that we can understand. And it is tainted, it is corrupted, and it pulls us away from the Spirit. It is at war with the Spirit. But once you are saved, once you give your heart to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that everything changes for us as believers. No longer are we having to work in the flesh, but we work in the Spirit, and we actually now, through the Holy Spirit, have the ability to do things that are pleasing to God and to do what God has called us to do. The Bible says, Paul wrote in Romans 8, 10, and 11, Now if Christ is in you, if you received him, if he is living inside of you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his Spirit who lives in you. God is really good at bringing things that are dead back to life. And if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that your flesh is dead, your body is dead, but your spirit then becomes alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead on that third day is now living in you and raising you up from the dead as well. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but every time in Scripture that Jesus went to a funeral, there is a resurrection. Every single time Jesus shows up at a funeral, the person would get up and they would walk away. Jesus is able to bring things to life. And that is what he does with us when we come to know him. We have our flesh, but now our spirit is becoming alive and we are able to walk by the Spirit. 
but he doesn't kick the flesh to the curb right away. I wish you would. I wish as soon as we became saved and as soon as we came to know the Lord that our flesh was gone and we could instantly live according to the, to the Spirit. But the truth is, is that there is a struggle. The Bible says in Romans 7, 18 and 19, For I know that nothing good lives in me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He wrote the majority of the New Testament. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is within me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do, I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. What Paul is talking about there is something that each and every one of us, if we're honest, we experience and we struggle with almost on a daily basis. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what God wants us to do. We know what we're supposed to do, and we read it in Scripture. And not only that, but our spirit wants to do it. But our flesh is failing. Our flesh is weak. There's a process that the Bible refers to, and we call it sanctification. And what that means is that the moment that you're saved, you begin to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit comes within you and begins to bring you back to life. But until the day you see Jesus, you're going to be struggling with the battle of the flesh. Now, if you walk with Jesus and you walk by the Spirit, according to the Scripture, each and every day, that battle, you, get, you start to win more and more victories, and you start to, to get more and more accustomed to what it means to walk in the Spirit, and you're able to deny the flesh more and more. But until the day you get to Jesus, you will never totally win the battle of the flesh. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, Therefore, do not give up. Don't be discouraged. Even though your outer self, your outer person is being destroyed, it's decaying, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Now, when I married my wife Rose 10, almost 10 years ago now, I gained new members of a family. One of them was her grandfather, Larry Anderson Sr. Now, Larry Anderson Sr. was a faithful member of this group. He was with us in the chapels uh, anytime he could, and he's a faithful member of our church for, for many years. He went to be with the Lord earlier this year in March, and Mr. Larry Dadu, as we called him, was a godly man who loved the Lord, who still struggled with his flesh to the day that he died. But the moment that he went to go be with Jesus, he was able to shed his flesh and he was able to be fully alive in the Spirit. And the Bible says that the moment that he saw Jesus, he was made like him. And what, if you talk to him right now, every problem that he had in this life, every struggle, he would say, oh, you're talking about those momentary light afflictions? See, from this perspective, from where we are right now, these, these struggles and the, the battles seem so difficult and so impossible. But once we get to that side of eternity, it will be a momentary light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory that is incomparable. And the Bible says that is the spirit that comes alive inside of us when we come to know Jesus. And it is that spirit that enables us to fight against the flesh that we have. And when we look at the fruit of the spirit, we realize that it is not our flesh that is able to accomplish any of it, but it's only the spirit. When I think of illustrations I can use here to further elaborate this point, my first thought takes me to my kids. I have four kids. Asa, who is six and a half, Augie, who is four and a half, and then Meg and Ellie, my twin girls, who are three and a half. So we, we had a rapid fire strategy when, when we went for the kids. At one point, when our twins were born, our oldest, Asa, was about a month away from turning three. So when we had, when we had our twins, we had our fourth, we had four kids, two and under. I don't necessarily recommend it, 
but I'm hoping that long term it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay off, the investment that was made. But as I, as I think about people who, who hear things and they know what they're supposed to do, but they just struggle to do it, I think of story after story of my kids where I tell them to do something and they know what they're supposed to do, but five seconds later they've totally forgotten what they were supposed to do. But as I start thinking specifically, I was thinking about maybe a few specific stories I could tell. The truth is that my mind kept coming back to myself because I could easily point out my kids here and tell a story about when they disobey, but I disobey just as much when it comes to the Lord. And the thing is, maybe sometimes the Lord is calling me to wake up and my alarm's going off and I'm supposed to spend time with the Lord and maybe I just snooze a little longer and eat away a little bit at the time I was going to spend with the Lord. And that flesh just wins a little bit and I get just a little more sleep. Or maybe you're out in public or for me, I know I'm out and the Lord tells me to share the gospel with somebody. And maybe sometimes my flesh just convinces me that maybe it's just not the right time. And I want to share the gospel, I really do, but my flesh wins out more often than I would like for it to. About 10, I guess about 11, 12 years ago, I was taking some classes at Union University. They had an extension program here in Memphis that met at the Stephen Olford Center. If you don't know Stephen Olford, he was a member of our church for years, incredible expository preacher of the gospel, reached people around the world for Jesus Christ with the gospel. He had a preaching center here in Memphis that was run by his son at the time he had gone to be with the Lord. And I was going twice a week to to uh, classes that were held there, uh, union classes, but they're held on that campus. And I remember one time I was going, it was, I was heading to a class on evangelism and missions. And I was running a little late, but I had a routine. I'm a man of routine in a lot of ways. I like to hit certain things. I like to do certain things. And I, if I go to a restaurant, I order the same thing every time. I'm always kind of hitting the same things in a lot of ways. So every Tuesday and Thursday on the way to class, I'd stop by a Walgreens that was right by the Stephen Olford Center. And I would get a Gatorade and a Hershey bar. I'm a real health nut. You'll find that out here in a little bit. But every Tuesday and Thursday, I'd stop and I'd get those two items. And I remember this one night in particular, I was running late for this class, and I was running about 10, 15 minutes late, but I was still, it's a three-hour class. I need my snack. I need my drink. because at the end of a work day. I, was, I needed it to help me stay awake and, and stay active and just part of my routine. As I walked inside that Walgreens, there was what appeared to be a homeless man sitting outside the door. And clear as day, the Lord told me to share the gospel with him. Well, I went in and was getting my stuff, and there was a long line. I was waiting, and the whole time I'm arguing with the Lord, and I'm telling him, Lord, I, it may not even be safe. I don't even, I don't even know if he's still going to be there. I'm late for my class, all this stuff. I'm just arguing with the Lord. And that day, I'm not proud to say it, my flesh won out in that situation. I get back in the car, I drive off, and I tell the Lord, Lord, if I, next time I'm here, I'll see him Tuesday, Thursday. I'm here every, twice a week. I'll share the gospel then when I'm not running late. I'll get here early. I'll even come early so I can take time to do it. And as I drove off, I, I came to the, the, the Olford Center. As I walked into class, I remembered nothing that day because the Holy Spirit was convicting me as I came to sit in a class on evangelism and missions, but didn't have time to share the gospel with somebody sitting outside of a Walgreens. And that's an example. I'm not proud to tell the story, but it's a real example that we all face. We all have those situations where the Lord tells us to do something, and we know we want to do it. We know we're supposed to do it. We want to do it, but our flesh fights against us. The Bible says that when we walk by the Spirit, we will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. If I choose to rely on my flesh, I will always be let down. That is without a doubt. There's no exception there. But when I choose to walk by the Spirit, and then and only then will I be able to fight against the desire of the flesh, but also will I be able to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in my life. See, anytime I'm living in the flesh, anytime I make a decision 
that I'm going to allow my flesh to win the situation, the fruit of the Spirit will not be evident in my life. It is when I am following the Spirit that the fruit becomes present in my life. So the first thing we see from this verse tonight as we look at the overview of this passage is that the fruit of the Spirit results from the Spirit, not from the flesh. The second thing I want you to see is this. The fruit of the Spirit is the result, not the cause. That may not make a lot of sense to you, but I promise you it will in a minute. The fruit of the Spirit is the result, not the cause. This is a very important concept, and this is ultimately what we're going to be spending most of this semester unpacking. The fruit of the Spirit is not given to us as a checklist for Christians of what we're supposed to do in order to please God. It's not given to us as a checklist of what we do in order to walk with or by the Spirit. The truth is, is that this is what Paul calls it. It is fruit. And what is fruit? Fruit is the result of a healthy tree or a plant. It's not something that the fruit does not make the tree. The tree makes the fruit. In the same way, the fruit of the Spirit, we'll see, represents the results of a healthy life that is lived in the Spirit. He says in verse 16, I say then, walk by the Spirit. You will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of, not the cause. And here's what I mean by that. You don't live a spirit-filled life by making sure you have all of these things in your life. If you can check the box on all of these and you have love and joy and peace and patience, that's not the path that we take in order to live a spirit-filled life and a spirit-led life. But when we live a spirit-led life, this is the result. This is how we know that we are living a spirit-led life. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is not a checklist for Christians of what we're supposed to accomplish. The fruit of the Spirit is a mirror to tell us how we're doing and to show us where we are not walking with the Lord. Not so that we can say, oh, I don't have patience today, I need to work my patience. But so that when we get to that point, we say, we don't have patience, we can look at the root and say, what's wrong? I may not be walking as closely with the Lord as I ought to. Because when you walk with the Lord, when you walk like Jesus did, you will have no choice but to love like he did. When you walk with the Spirit, you will have the joy of the Lord in your life. When you walk with the Spirit, you will have a peace that passes all understanding. When you walk with the Lord, you will have a kindness about you. Jesus was a very kind person. And there were people that he wasn't supposed to talk to that were socially unacceptable, especially for a Jew to talk to. Jesus didn't worry about any of that. Jesus took time. He noticed people. He looked at people. He touched people. He talked to people. He was not afraid to be kind to people. And when we walk with the Spirit, we will see kindness in our lives. We will see goodness. We sing all the time about the goodness of the Lord, goodness of God in our lives. And when we are walking with the Spirit, that goodness will be reflected in our lives. The Bible also talks here goodness and faithfulness. We'll be faithful to the Lord. We'll be faithful to our church. We'll be faithful to his bride, the church. We'll be faithful to those around us. We'll have a gentleness about us. And we'll have self-control. This is a mirror that we can hold up, and this is what we're going to do over the course of this semester. We're going to hold up the mirror of the fruit of the Spirit, and we're going to take a week on each one of those and ask the question, are we looking like Jesus in this area? Because if we look like Jesus, we will look like the fruit of the Spirit. But if we do not look like the fruit of the Spirit, if you get to the fruit of the Spirit, you say, you know, I'm, I'm just struggling with patience lately. 
That doesn't mean that you get a book on how to be more patient and you, you try to do certain things. That means that you need to go back to your relationship with the Lord and you need to walk with the Lord more closely. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect and every time you struggle that you're not walking with the Lord. Like I said, there is a battle that is waging between our spirit and our flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is a great opportunity for us to have the mirror that shows us what's going on. You guys heard the age-old question, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And this question, what came first, walking with the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit? What comes first is walking with the Spirit. And the fruit then becomes the result of walking with the Spirit. And as Christians, we have a guide that can help us in this journey of the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. How are we supposed to know what we're supposed to do? A big part of it is spending time in God's word and reading God's word. But without the Holy Spirit, sometimes this can feel very overwhelming and very difficult to connect the dots on what we're supposed to do and how this applies to our life. But the Bible teaches us that God takes his word and brings it to life in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. He is the voice that Isaiah talks about that is behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it, whether we turn to the right or to the left. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 12 and 13. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all of the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Jesus didn't teach his disciples everything that he could have taught them. There was many more years worth of, of material and curriculum that Jesus could have gone through. But he didn't go through it because in his own words, they couldn't handle it. They weren't ready for it. So he gave them what they were ready for. He gave the disciples what they were able to handle. And he said that the Holy Spirit would come behind him and that he would continue to teach them what the Lord was teaching them. And ultimately, he does that through his word and he speaks and confirms it in our life. I've often heard people say that they wish they could have been with Jesus on earth in his ministry and gotten to walk with Jesus for those three years and gotten to hear the parables and see the healings and been, been at all those funerals that ended up not being funerals at the end of the day because Jesus would resurrect them. And it would be incredible to, to walk the, the Sea of Galilee shores with Jesus and to be his disciple for three years. But there's a truth that we often do not consider. And Jesus said that it was to his disciples' advantage that he not be with them anymore. Jesus said that it is to your advantage that he were to leave because he would then send the Holy Spirit. Jesus, during his earthly ministry, was confined by his humanity. Jesus was fully God, absolutely, but he became, through the incarnation, fully man. So Jesus could only be in one place on earth at one time. He could only have one conversation at a time. At the end of a long day of ministry, Jesus got tired and Jesus had to go to sleep. And the Bible says that there's one time when the, the disciples are on the boat and there's a storm and Jesus is just sleeping away on the boat. And they're panicking, saying, why are you not waking up? And he's just sleeping away. And obviously, he was teaching them a lesson in that, through, in, in that example as well. But there were times where Jesus would be sleeping, and I'm sure his disciples maybe had questions or concerns or whatnot. But he said it is to our advantage that he not be with us anymore and that he send the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is with us right now in this room. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in your life right now, speaking to you and leading you and guiding you to all truth. He's also in the fellowship hall with Brother Steve and Miss Donna, 
and the, all the people and the couples that are in there. He's in the gym. He's in every state. He's in every country around the world. And the Holy Spirit is able to be with us all at one time and able to guide us into the truth. We never have to leave his presence. He is always guiding us and leading us. Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit in John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is to your benefit that I go away. Because I don't go away. If I don't go away, the counselor will not come. And if I go, I will send him to you. See, walking in the Spirit is a blessing that we don't even realize that we have. We take it for granted. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives leading us and directing us, he is so neglected in most of our lives. We take him for granted. I love reading the stories of the Old Testament. And I love the great stories of the faith. I love reading in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and they're walking in the garden in the cool of the day, having conversations with the Lord. I always imagine getting to heaven and wanting to find some of these people and ask them, what was it like? What was it like, Adam, to have that conversation? Before sin into the world, you're in the garden of God, walking in this perfect environment with probably no humidity and no heat and no animals that you're scared of, no snakes that are going to bite you. You have all these things. You're walking in this perfect environment. What was that like to have those conversations with God? Or you look at Abraham and you ask, what was it like to, to take that step of faith and be led by God through the wilderness to a land that was not your own? What was it like when you went and you had to sacrifice your son and then at the last minute God called out to you? What was it like in that moment? What were you thinking? My favorite person in the Old Testament is Moses. Imagine wanting to talk to him in heaven and say, Moses, what was it like in that moment when you were leading the Israelites away, and you hit that Red Sea. God told you to lift up your staff, and the sea parted in two, and you walked across on dry land. That had to be an incredible moment. I would love to know from, I would love to know from Moses what that felt like and what that was like in his life. But I imagine that if I were to ask that to Moses, say, Moses, what was it like talking to God face to face like a friend? What was it like leading the people through the wilderness? Moses would say, No, 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 no. Forget about all that stuff. You tell me, what was it like having his Holy Spirit living inside of you? You see, we have something today that they would long to have and that they had no clue how great we would have it. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was absolutely part of the scene. He was part of every story. He was there every time. But the Bible says that he would not come inside of people, but he would come on people. And at times, he would leave them. A great example is Samson. Samson is a man that God put the, his spirit on, and because of God's spirit, Samson had great strength. And Samson continued to make choice after choice that walked away from the Lord until one day the Bible says that the Holy Spirit lifted off of Samson, and he did not even know it. And in that moment, his strength was gone. Or you look at King Saul, the first king of Israel, and Saul is a man whose spirit, the God, spirit of God went upon him, and he chose not to follow after God. And God eventually removed the spirit from Saul. And David watched that happen. David watched the Spirit of God be on Saul and saw him lead. And then he saw the Spirit be removed and Saul's kingdom begin to crumble. And that's why Saul, uh, David, after he committed the sin with Bathsheba, that's why in Psalm 51, as he repented, he said, and do not remove your Holy Spirit from me. You think about that. That is a cry of a man who realized there was a very real possibility that God was going to remove his Holy Spirit. He had seen it with his predecessor, and he had just royally messed up. And David might have woken up every morning wondering, is this the day that, God, you're going to remove your Holy Spirit from me? And he was desperate to keep that Holy Spirit in him. 
And so he was repenting and he's seeking after it. But today, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and he seals us until the day that we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we don't have to worry about the Spirit leading us, leaving us. He is with us and he is leading us each and every day. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, we don't need to strive for them. We need to strive to be with the Spirit. We need to strive to follow the Spirit. And when that happens, all of these things will be taken care of. When we follow the Spirit, when we walk by the Spirit, the Bible says that the fruit will take care of itself. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. What are you known by? What kind of fruit are you producing? Are you producing fruit that resembles and lines up with the fruit of the Spirit? If so, that's a great sign that you are walking with the Spirit. But he also gives here essentially the works of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh. Are these things true in your life? Do you have idolatry, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, anything similar? If those things are true with you, then that is the fruit of your life because that is what you are investing in. We see the second thing, that the fruit of the Spirit is the result of walking with the Spirit. The third and final thing we'll look at very quickly is that the fruit of the Spirit is singular, not plural. I'm not going to get super technical with you guys week to week and do grammar, but you got to know that I like words and I like grammar and I like figuring all that kind of stuff out. So I'll try not to bore you, but every once in a while, I am who I am, and you're going to get it. (laughs) Look here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against these things. You say, Noah, I know you're saying it's singular, but there are nine things listed there. Sure seems awfully plural in that regard. Here's what I want to walk through. We have a picture here of an apple. If you look at this, you say that is an apple, but you could also say that is a, that's fruit. Now let's go to this next picture. What is this? That's fruit. See, in the English language, there is no distinction between plural fruit and and singular fruit. It's fruit. And for us, the word could be either one. But what Paul is talking about here is that The fruit of the Spirit is not the fruit in the the many, it is the singular fruit. And there's two ways I can prove that to you. One, if I knew Greek, I could probably prove it to you, but I'm not that smart, not that good. Mike could have done that, that's not who I am. But I do know that in the Greek, there is a distinction between plural and singular words, and that this word is placed in the singular But the way you can clearly see in the English, if you look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is. So here's your grammar lesson. Go back to your grammar school days. When you have a sentence, your subject and your verb need to agree with one another. So you don't say the cat are walking across the street. The cat is singular. The are is a plural verb. You say the cat is walking because it's singular. Now the cats are walking across the street. In the same sense here, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, Noah, that's interesting, but who really cares? What difference does it make? Here's the point in this. 
we don't get a pass on any of the, the things listed here. This is not a situation where you can say, you know, I'm doing pretty good in these seven, maybe seven and a half, I'm pretty good, but those last, that's just not who I am. Those last two, maybe self-control and, and patience, that's just, that's just not my thing, I'm not good at that. Well, the thing is, is that this is a singular fruit. And if you're missing any aspect of this fruit, you are not producing complete fruit. This is not a tree that, that puts out nine different kinds of fruit. There's a singular type of fruit that comes from the walking with the Spirit, the tree of the Spirit. And these are the things that it looks like. We don't get to pick our favorites while we ignore the rest. If there is something that is missing in your life from the fruit of the Spirit, it may be a sign that you are not walking with the Spirit as closely as you think you are. And when you walk with Jesus, you will have no choice but to exhibit all of the fruit that is listed, all the elements, the aspects of the fruit that is listed. And so that's what we're going to do this semester. We're going to hold up the mirror, and we're going to examine. And there are times I'm sure it's going to be painful, more so for me than it will be for you. Many of you have been walking with the Lord for a very long time, and you've got a lot of this figured out, and you've, you've been able to walk through some of these things, and you're, you're able to push back on the flesh now, and you're walking in step with the Spirit. Some of us, maybe, we've not been walking with the Lord quite as long, and, and that struggle with the flesh maybe is a little more present than we would like to admit or like it to be. So we're not going to beat up on each other. We're not going to just walk away each day thinking, oh, look how bad I am. I've not walked with the Spirit because I don't exhibit patience the way Jesus told me to do. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at each one of these, and then the important thing we're going to do each time is, is examine what it means and how we can walk more closely with the Spirit so that we can then begin to see this fruit more regularly in our lives. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll be dismissed. Father God, I do thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the opportunity to walk with the Spirit and to bear good fruit. I pray, God, that this semester that you'd give us the ability to examine ourselves and to see where we are in our lives not walking with you as closely as we ought. I pray that you'd give us the ability to identify how we can walk more closely with your spirit. And we thank you, God, that you are not hiding from us, that you are not trying to hide the truth from us, that you're not wanting to, to confuse us in any means. You have given us your word clearly, and your Holy Spirit serves as our interpreter and applier to our hearts. So I pray that each one of us would take time to read your word and apply it and that you'd help us to walk with the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit. And so doing, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to not carry out the desires of our flesh. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.